on this episode of the Games and Junk Game Club Podcast. Through the darkness of future past, the magician longs to see one chance out between two worlds. Fire. Watch with me. Jason Ariola. And this this month we'll be talking about Firewatch, a narrative adventure game uh, where you play as a man trying to find himself in the wilderness while while also trying to uh, point out where fires are happening in the middle of the woods. So you know, it's a uh, it's a hell of a premise. It's a weird premise for a game, but uh, we'll get into our uh, personal thoughts about it. Uh, First, I'll say that I I am I believe the only one here that has played this before. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. This is my second time playing it. Um, Vanessa, you picked this game. Why did you pick it? I, I did. Um, based on cover art and time to complete alone. <laughs> <laughs> Originally, I was looking at um, what is it, Ori in the whatever blind, blind, forest. blind forest. Yeah, blind forest. Yeah, but then we thought Jason could could hold a controller for that long. So then I was like <laughs> Firewatch has cool looking art. For those of you who haven't uh, uh, been listening and this is your first episode, I just had shoulder surgery and I was uh, sort of having problems actually holding a controller for very extended periods of time and playing anything too robust. So that is not just me being a complete weenie, although there, that is a factor <laughs> in the thing too. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but that was pretty much it, though. I was like, okay, so it's like um, an under eight hour game, which it definitely was, and beautiful cover art. Mm-hmm. Done. I agree yeah. on both those points. Yeah, it definitely it definitely has a, a bit of a stunning look to it, especially in their and their just like promotional art they did for it. Mm-hmm. Jason, did you own this game before, already? <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, what a stupid question! Valid question. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think this was PlayStation Plus at some point, maybe. If not, I bought Probably it. Probably was. Yeah, if not, I bought it on PlayStation, so I played this on the PlayStation 4 Pro. I did as well. <laughs> I already owned it. Uh, Vanessa, you played it on the Switch? Yeah, I played it on the Switch. Uh, how did it run on the Switch? Um, there were times that were really frustrating because it did, like, it caught a bit, um, especially with, like, at the ending where you're, like, trying to escape the forest as it burns down around you. It's like, oh, now I'm, like, stuck because the game can't hold like you know can't keep up with the progress i'm making here so that, that happened um more times huh. than i would have liked okay uh, well definitely okay we'll have to get into that a little bit more um but as is custom on this show uh it's time for jason to throw a lab coat on um and enlighten us on the background and history of firewatch and their de- developer uh campo santo uh jason are you ready i am absolutely ready so, Firewatch was initially announced September 2013, simply as kind of the first game from Campo Santo. It was officially unveiled March 2014 for Windows, Mac, and Linux, and eventually would come to Windows, Mac, and Linux on the NPC, er, NPS4 February 9th, 2016, missing their release window, much like their current in-development, or not-in-development game. Uh, it would come to the Xbox September 21st. Uh, let's see. Uh, hold on. What the hell? Hold on. 
let me just take that again. It would come to the Xbox uh, September 21st, October 14th, 2016 in North America. Oh, that's what I did. <laughs> wow. Okay, Jason, that's good. That's good. Okay, let me try one more time. I don't know how it got that. It would come to the Xbox September 21st in North America, September 14th, 2016. No, I don't know what I did. Okay, hold on. We're just going to skip uh we're just going to skip that segment. I don't know what I was typing there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, you were you were actually researching a whole different game. <laughs> very well could be based on my release date here. I don't know. It's actually I actually played Fire Crotch and that's a whole different... Oh Christ. Oh, gee. Okay. Okay. Also very sad though. <laughs> Uh, it's a real tearjerker. <laughs> uh, it's a real jerker of some sort. Anyway, <laughs> this is all staying in. I hope uh, so. <laughs> okay, came to the Xbox uh, September twenty first, and came to. Okay, oh my god! You know what? We're just gonna skip the Xbox one. How's that? <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, it yeah. ended up coming up to the Xbox sometime <laughs> sometime later that year, um, and most recently came out on the Switch December seventeenth, two thousand eighteen. So, while Firewatch runs on the Unity engine, Jane In uh, hand-modeled 23 different kind of trees, placing them in the game 4,600 times with a custom shader for more stylized and simplified foliage. The dev team uh, camped at Yosemite National Park to get some inspiration for the game itself, uh, which is nowhere near as crazy as the director for two of the Pokemon movies uh, going to an Italy tour and then, like, Vancouver for research for their, you know, Pokemon movies, but... I think it seems like a much more uh, reasonable thing to go do. <laughs> so Sean Vanneman and Nels Anderson uh, drew from some of the experience growing up in rural Wyoming, adding some more personal experience to it. Ollie Moss, and I'm going to go over who these people are here in a minute, uh, drew some inspiration from the National Park Service posters uh, from the New Deal era for art of the game. And the team would try to convey the images from Moss's work by adding color or adapting color palettes that invoke the spirit and emotional tone of that part of the game to what Ollie Moss came up with. So as far as Campo Santo goes, it was founded September 18th, 2013 by Sean Vanneman, Jake Rodkin, Nels Anderson, and Ollie Moss. Firewatch is their first, and as I mentioned before, thus far, the only game released of theirs to date. They currently have another title in development in the Valley of the Gods. Um, kind of looks like another like walking simulator adventure game set in Egypt, which don't think that didn't get my attention. It debuted at the Game Awards in 2017. April 2018, Campo Santo was acquired by Valve. While development on the in the Valley of the Gods hasn't been technically canceled, it was supposed to come out in 2019, and various staff members were pulled off uh, to help on other projects um, inside of Valve itself. A few of the staff members have uh, removed the game from their Twitter profiles, um, and it was also removed from Campo Santo's website, and even its announcement trailer was removed from the YouTube page, which doesn't really bode very well for the game. Yeah, I remember I remember the trailer for it too, uh, and it's a, it's a shame. It's, yeah. Valve could have, could have let them finish the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I from what I've read, it doesn't seem like Valve is really to. I don't want to say to blame. Their acquisition by Valve might be to blame because they're able to jump from project to project, and it seems like they do kind of go in where they're used. I guess mm-hmm. proficiently in some places, but yeah, we'll kind of get into that here and where a lot of the staff members have gone. We'll start off with Sean Vanneman, who was the writer of Firewatch's dialogue and also was one of the story writers. Sean was previously at Telltale Games and co-wrote, along with Jake Rodkin, one of the other founders, The Walking Dead, along with a few other their adventure games, um, The Walking Dead Season 2, 400 Days, Tales of Monkey Island, Puzzle Agent, the two Puzzle Agent games, and Wallace and Gromit in Muzzled. In an interview with Red Bull, yes, Red Bull, this is how deep I'm going for this research, is like, yeah, when Red Bull, um... <laughs> 
He explained he started feeling a bit too comfortable in his role at Telltale, and after chatting with Jake Rodkin, they decided to leave Telltale and form Camposanto. Along with the previously mentioned writing credits, Sean also worked on the design of Wallace and Gromit in The Last Resort, The Boogeyman, or The Boogeyman, uh, Fright of the Bumblebees. He also worked on CSI Fatal Conspiracy, an episode of the third season of Sam and Max, and also a story consulting credit on Rise of the Tomb Raider, which, as we all know, has one of the best uh, stories ever written. Uh, getting back <laughs> around to the Valley of the Gods, uh, Sean was pulled from that to help write on Half-Life Alex. so there's one more writing credit for a game that might not ever come out. Half-Life Alex. Yeah. It came out last year. No, no, no. I mean, um, he, no, no. I mean, he's got one more like writing credit for the Valley of the Gods, basically. That oh, okay. that one might oh, not ever come out. Yeah. No, 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 no. Well, you know, all, you know, all, all hundred people in the world that actually played the thing. So seems like a good uh, pool of resources to pull it for, you know, such a niche peripheral uh, experience. But OK. <laughs> It's really good. Yeah, I've I heard like that it. too, except I will never know because I'm probably never going to buy a VR set that costs more than $200. So, mm. yeah. It'll, it'll get remastered. Mm. <laughs> Just yeah. like all other Valve stuff does. Anyway, uh, in addition to uh, being co-writer on Firewatch's story, Jake Rodkin um, would also come up with the level and UI design for Firewatch. As I mentioned earlier, Jake worked at Telltale with Sean, but Jake's credits list is a little bit longer than Sean's is. Uh, As a writer, he worked on both puzzle agent games The Walking Dead, The Walking Dead 400 Days. Uh, He worked on design for a ton of other of their adventure games, including the three seasons of Sam and Max, Strong Bad's Cool Game for Attractive People, Tales of Monkey Island, all of the Wallace and Gromit games, The Walking Dead, The Walking Dead Season 2, uh, 400 days and poker night too then there's the art and graphics credits uh he has with his most previously mentioned games along with detective inspector hector a game daniel kaufman brought up on the rampage episode of multimedia failure if you recall that back to the future and jurassic park jake would also uh, release a full statement that in the valley of the gods is on hold as a bunch of the other developers who were part of campo santo had moved over to help in other various projects uh, within valve so again doesn't seem dead but i'm probably put in a bet we're never going to see that game which is unfortunate we're definitely not yeah yeah that game is not going to happen so anyway moving on to nels anderson who was the lead designer and one of the writers of clay's mark of the ninja nels would jump on board when the opportunity arose to work on firewatch nels would be one of the game designers and would handle the gameplay programming by himself nels left camposanto to form what would become saunderless studios saunderless hasn't produced a game as of yet but it looks like they're staffing up for a game that's heavily focused on a, quote, unconventional, system-driven narrative. Oh, wow, that really narrows it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost <laughs> as vague as the, um, whatever, well, no, I think it was a little bit more specific what the, um, whatchamacallit, uh, developers for um, The Great Perhaps are working on next. That was that was maybe a little too specific as to what the hell they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait for that not to come out either. Anyway, moving on to Ollie Moss. Uh, Vanessa, <laughs> have you helped me fill in this one here a little bit too? Um, he had a hand in the story and was solely responsible for the visual direction and 2D art in Firewatch. His game credits are a little thin, uh, working on some of the 2D art in Tacoma with special thanks credits uh, for Resistance, which was the cover art, Ratchet and Clank All for One, and DuckTales Remastered, and also art in Half-Life Alex. Uh, what people probably would know Ollie's work uh, more for is his movie posters and book covers. He would do the covers for the first digital releases of the Harry Potter series with seven prints in each each book individually as well. Uh, make a set of posters for the original Star Wars trilogy with a colored silhouette of 3PO for A New Hope, Boba Fett for Empire Strikes Back, and Vader for Return of the Jedi. Ollie is technically no longer with Camposanto and is part of Valve itself. So, Ness, if you is there anything there I kind of missed? I don't think so, but as far as like a 
video game knowledge and people like this is one that i actually knew which is like shocking <laughs> <laughs> but i had i had recognized um yeah i was like oh that name i follow him on twitter as like a designer and not like as a video game person um uh, that's cool and i and i did know that he put it out the, co- the harry potter covers because i remember when they came out i was like oh these were really beautiful and like very like uh you know in, in his style from firewatch very 2d big big shapes and colors I was very impressed that you had uh, that you had somebody on here that you knew. I was like, oh, hey. Good. I know. Me yeah. too. It never happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is normally my my baby here. So, All right. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on to Jane In, who handled the world design and 3D art for Firewatch and was also part of the production team. Before ju- uh, joining Campo Santo, she was, on the, or she was one of the art technicians on Bruce Lee, Quest of the Dragon. After that studio that developed that game uh, went belly up, uh, she'd go on to work for EA and work on the art of the console and PC Mac version of Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Uh, moving on from there to the godfather of the game and Spore. Uh, she would leave EA to go work at Double Fine and worked on Brutal Legend, Costume Quest, Stacking, The Cave, Broken Age, and Massive Chalice over there before she joined Campo Santo. She hasn't left there yet technically, so some of the band is still around and kicking, even though there, she was another one of the staff members that ended up helping on Half-Life Alex. I see your pop-up on Twitter occasionally. So You know what? Like, yeah. 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 I've seen that name and I'm like, how the hell do you say NG? And then, yeah, just more... Th- didn't bother spending half a second uh, of any research until we got to this because I never had to say it out loud. Now that I had to say it out loud, I was like, oh, it's pronounced in. Okay, cool. Mm. Moving on to Chris Remo, or Remo. Oh, boy, I should have looked up that one. Huh? Anyway, uh, composed the soundtrack and did the sound design on Firewatch and also worked on the game design and story. Uh, Chris is also a podcaster at Idle Thumbs, which would have made it really easy for me to look up the uh, pronunciation of his name, but fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, should have asked him to be on since they're not really active at the moment, too. Could have gotten a guest, right? And um, he's worked on a writer for The Cave and The Wheels of Aurelia, 1978. And did sound on Drawn to Life, the next chapter. You guys all remember that one. Uh, 30 Flights of Loving, another one. Uh, Gone Home and Tacoma. He's still currently with Campo Santo and is another staffer who helped on Half-Life Alex. He's got um, special thanks credits in a bunch of other games, including some Double Fine and Telltale games, Republic, a game I was dismayed with how it turned out, and Perception, a game John was rather dismayed uh, he ended up reviewing. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think that may have been one of your last ones because you were like, you know what? The uh, hell with this. I'm done. <laughs> All right. Uh, he also worked on FTL, West of Loathing, Tacoma, or these are the special credits, um, and Bioshock Infinite. What his involvement was in those just appeared too much digging for me since we've got a few more people to get through. Uh, next up is Ben Burbank. Uh, he was one of the two systems and graphics programmers on Firewatch. Uh, following a similar path to Jane in, Ben worked at EA, moved over to Double Fine, and then Campo Santo, and currently is working at Valve. Uh, ben worked on the programming on Superman Returns. I think that's his only EA credit. It's the only one I could find. Then Middle Manager of Justice, Costume Quest 2, Massive Chalice, and Headlander at Double Fine before working on Firewatch. He's also got special thanks credits in Broken Age, IDAR, Video Ball, and West of Loathing. And guess what his most recent credit is? Yes, Half-Life Alex. <laughs> Weird. Who would have guessed the Valve game? Mm-hmm. All right, Paulo Soricho. Soricho. Okay, anyway, we're going to go with that. Uh, we're just going to call him Paulo from now on because uh, I know what it's like to have a middle or a last name that nobody can pronounce. So, uh, the other systems and graphics programmer on Firewatch, uh, Paulo worked previously on the Deadpool game, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, Apex Legends, and God of War, uh, the most recent God of War. He since moved on from Campo Santo and is currently over at Santa Monica Studios. A shorter, but still certainly impressive list of credits. Oh, and guess what? He's also got a credit in West of Loathing. Seems to be another running 
theme through some of these people here. James Nicholas Benson, one of the designers and the animators on Firewatch. James' credits are a little light, but I think he's currently with Valve, from what I could tell. Other credits include being a designer and lead animator on Ori and the Blind Forest, uh, part of the animation team in Fable 3, and the sole animator on Sir, You Are Being Hunted, which is a procedurally generated first-person survival game where robots are hunting you. But not Terminators, more like goofy, sinister, steampunk British robots. With mustaches. <laughs> I think I'm going to check this game out. <laughs> so, yeah, I would, I would, I would play that. I'm yeah. familiar with the game. Okay. <laughs> and if you're thinking I sussed out what he's uh, still doing with Valve because of the Half-Life credit, uh, yeah, you, you'd be right. That's where it was. So, anyway, uh, moving on to okay, everyone, get it out of your systems. Patrick Ewing, yeah, after he moved on from the Knicks, he decided to get into video game development and became a shorter white dude. <laughs> I'm sure he never, never gets tired of hearing that joke. Anyway, uh, Patrick Ewing did the tools and gameplay programming on Firewatch. He only has two other game-related credits I could dig up. One is a playtester on Pyre, and the other is one of the narrative designers, co-writer of the story, and the solo credit of programming and creative direction for Neocab. Uh, from what I can gather, and I'm sure you know how hard it is to Google anything he's done, uh, he's also worked on or at Twitter and Netflix. Oh. Anyway, moving on to William Armstrong, who worked on gameplay, systems, and tools programming for Firewatch. He's previously worked on Spider-Man 3, Bioshock 2, Minerva's Den, and the Bureau XCOM Declassified. He currently works at Unity and has some special thanks credits in Desperados, Neocab, Watsum, Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition, Tacoma, Walden, A Game, and Gone Home. All of these, uh, and Firewatch, were made in Unity, so I think that was how he got involved with Firewatch, was sort of Unity support. And last, and certainly not least, because this is going to require you guys to... I'm going to send it to you right now, so just go ahead and um, check the link there that I'm sending to you guys there. Okay. Uh, I'm going to read his credits, and then we're going to go through this uh, this this thread here next, okay? Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. His name is Gabe McGill, and he seemed to do mostly office work on Firewatch. If not for being the other half of the production team with Jane in, I would have probably skipped him over completely. Why? Well, the only other credit he had that I could find was a special thanks and Wait for it. West of Loathing. So, almost safe to say I could have excluded him from this list because didn't really seem to do too, too much, but then I wouldn't have found this incredible thread on Twitter that I just sent to you guys. I will put this in the show notes. Yeah, we're going to have to close out the segment now, and I, I, I want you guys to kind of go through this thing. I don't know how you want to handle actually going through this. Uh, it's... Basically, his grandfather passed away. He found a secret room, and his grandmother gave him a key, which is a screwdriver, <laughs> to get into this secret room in, in a um, in a little like. Um... Oh my God! No, I don't. You don't go in there. That's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's oh. where the demon lives. What are you? Yeah. T- what are you doing in the weird small door behind the house? Yes, yes. Um, so there was a small door that was too small for him to get get in. He found another door. And got in that way. Uh, his grandmother gave him a uh, flashlight to go through the door. And as he's going through, uh, he finds there's electricity in here. Had uh, some booze and some chocolates. And um, found some cabinets with cassettes. <laughs> VHS cassettes. One of them entitled Backdoor Robots. <laughs> yes. What? Yep. Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, then found some found some more booze in here. Looks like some high quality stuff. Um, he uh, fi- there's a tub faucet in a lot here. Of lines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then um, he found a uh, found a video recorder with uh, with a little little TV here. So this is how he probably watched the porn. And um, <laughs> as it says in one of these tweets here, a man of simple tastes. And it is uh, Big Bus Babes four, five, six, and seven. Wow, they got all in one. That's the, they got the the four pack. Yeah, wow. that's, a, that's that's an impressive VHS there. Uh, yeah. 
uh, yeah, so he found more wine there. Um, he was hoping he was going to find a bunch of cash in a suitcase here, um, hidden behind the lining, but of course it was just um, nothing. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of other stuff in here, but I, like I said, I oh yes, and he found a like I, I guess a six pack of chalices. chalices. <laughs> Those are awesome. Those are like pretty dope. A bunch of chalices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not so interesting to find my grandpa's porn. Then there's but... this small dollhouse hidden uh-huh. one. That, that's where the yeah. demons live. <laughs> yeah, yes. he's looks like I mean he's an abuelo, so I'm assuming he's Hispanic, and that means uh, they're Catholic most likely, and that means there's definitely demons under this house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for just, sure. <laughs> which is also why that's where the porn was, because you hide your shame when you're Catholic. <laughs> It's true. Yeah. <laughs> in, a secret, in a secret room. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so there we go, guys. Like I said, I would have left uh, uh, Mr. McGill out if not for finding this Twitter thread when I was looking up his profile. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's like the most amazing thing. And also, I feel like I'm kind of wasting my time by not building a secret room in the house <laughs> for the, my like my, my great nephews and nieces to find one day. Well, <laughs> just, the craziest shit in there, too. Just like, <laughs> yeah, just to mess with them in the future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, when we uh, we pull our, we're going to redo our cabinets in our kitchen. Um, in the corner one, we're, I, well, we're not we, but it might have to be when uh, my wife is not in the house. But uh, my brother-in-law, who's going to do our cabinets, and I were talking about uh, putting a skeleton, like one of those plastic yes. skeletons in there, <laughs> to freak out the person um, after we either move or die uh, to find in there when they remodel the house. That would be amazing. I, yeah. I think I'm kind of, kind of there. So anyway, uh, yeah. So that'll wrap up my segment there with uh, everything on the game. And I just felt the Gabe McGill thing needed to be at the end there. I was going to put him kind of closer to the top just because of the length of credits. And then I was like, Oh, Oh, Oh my. <laughs> Nothing segues better into a game about fire watching than about finding a mysterious room at the bottom of your grandparents' house full of porn. So, (laughs) on that note... And dollhouses. That's how the game is. (laughs) Yeah, that's basically the plot of Firewatch. Um, So, Vanessa... What are you, what are your initial what are your initial feelings on on Firewatch as uh, as a first time, as, as first love time the playing? porn love the porn that's, yeah there is quite a bit of it yes um, I liked it it was a uh, it was very sad and not and weird um, I enjoyed it though it was like a I liked that nothing was well seemingly nothing was chasing me mostly. Um, <laughs> I did get lost a lot though. And I was a little bit nervous when I was like, Oh no, am I just going to have to like hike through these woods looking for fires the whole time? Cause I'm not really a hiker. <laughs> so it's like, what have I done to myself? Luckily there's no actual finding of fires in this game. Yeah. You find one and they kind of, they kind of point you directly at it. So yeah, yeah that exactly. Going. So that's fine. <laughs> uh, Jason, how do you feel about the game? Oh, I, Broke up my playthrough into two sittings. The first one, I was a little like, oh, I think I got maybe like two or three days into it. And I was a little not impressed. The mm-hmm. first bit, I 
I like Rich Summer a lot. So his voice acting, um, he plays the, the main character. Um, Henry. Henry. Yes, Henry. There we go. I was going to say Howard. I don't know why Howard stuck <laughs> out in my head. Hank. You call him Hank. He loves that. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Call him Hank. Um, yeah, so Henry, um, yeah, I'm a real big fan of Rich Summer. Uh, so it was like great hearing his voice in here because I've never heard him in a video game and haven't seen him in too much else outside of Mad Men, but I hear him on a podcast I listen to quite a bit and it's very funny there. So I was like, oh, cool. Rich Summer's in this song. I guess this will help a little bit. Um, the second playthrough, I got a little bit more into it and did it all in one shot from there. And I don't want to say it's where it hooked me because I don't know if the game entirely hooked me ever, but I did enjoy it a lot more. I appreciated what it was doing. It felt like it ramped up a little bit. The first three days in the game are a little slow, a little plotting. I got lost in the woods quite a bit. Like, I was like, oh, where the hell am I supposed to be going? Uh, the button combinations, I would say, for uh, pulling up your map and trying to walk at the same time and then putting it back down is a little unruly. I would would have appreciated a different combination. Yeah, I pulled I pulled up the wrong thing quite a few times. Yeah, I, I pulled up I pulled up the camera, especially during that last bit where I'm trying to like get out. I, t- I, like, pulled up the camera so many times. It was so frustrating. Yeah. So I wasn't, yeah, like I said, I wasn't too into it on the first sit-down of it. And then once I got into it a little bit more, obviously I, you know, played it enough that I finished it and in that one, or that second sitting. So, yeah, I, I definitely appreciated it a little bit more on the uh, on the second go-around there. Yeah, this was my uh, second playthrough. And uh, I played it when it came out. I want to say I played it at night of release, uh, just in one sitting, the first time I played it. And remember really enjoying it uh, for the most part, uh, but feeling kind of unsatisfied by the end of it. And not just not the actual direct ending, it was some people which actually was unsatisfying for a lot of people was the actual, the full, the true ending of the game. But like more of like the mystery. Um, resolution was a little unsatisfying mm-hmm. uh, but we can get into that in a bit uh, but the second time playing through I actually went into the special features and turned on the audio log mode played through the whole way that way and it's a really cool uh, little thing they did for the game where they it's uh, I, I know Vanessa played it for a bit at least that way uh, Jason did you try it out at all no um, no I didn't they, uh, they, put, they actually even do like a cool little in, in world uh, way to do it with a uh, a bunch of stands with cassettes in it to put in your Walkman and to listen to the de- two developers at a time, uh, uh, whether they're the writers or the or the designers or 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 the composers or whatever, just talk about specific uh, parts of the game. It's really interesting stuff. Uh, you get a lot of insights into their feelings on how the story and their decision making and regrets they have. Even uh, they're pretty open about it and just like a lot of the weird struggles. That come along with making a game, especially such a small team as they are, um, like just like the struggle of making a how hard it is to light a cave <laughs> because you kept with natural lighting is uh, like some a, actually a pretty big undertaking, especially in a game where there are generally no ceilings in the game because you're outdoors. That stuff is all really fascinating. There's also even some weird physics things that let you do too to like mess around with the physics and to see how it looks from the uh, like third person perspective or the weather changing so that was really cool i really really enjoyed playing it like that i would definitely recommend doing it your second time through if you play it um because first of all there's plenty of spoilers throughout it um but also it kind it can kill a lot of tension <laughs> and dramatic tension and slow down a lot of moments because unfortunately the the uh tapes do play over any dialogue in the game you can't really hear the dialogue beneath it and maybe there's a way to adjust it i couldn't find it um but it's uh, almost impossible to hear uh, Henry and Delilah talking to each other if you trigger some dialogue <laughs> while you're listening to one of the tapes. Yeah. So, so that's been kind of frustrating. But, uh, yeah. so yeah, definitely second playthrough. And uh, yeah, I did it, find myself. It was, it was really cool. Yeah. 
I did find myself uh, in enjoying. I think I might have overall enjoyed the story more the second time playing it than I did the first time, uh, knowing what I what I know about um, the mystery and looking at it from a different perspective. Like uh, uh, was uh, the paranoia aspect of it. I think was a little more clear this time. I definitely had a good time again playing it. So I want to highlight some of the some, my, the two the two I think in my opinion, undeniably great things about this game are the, the performances and the way it looks. Uh, I think the overall world design is gorgeous and, stri- and striking in a, lot of, in a lot of different places. And the way it changes throughout the game as the fire slowly grows uh, and envelops everything in smoke, which is a little unbelievable because you're running around in all this like horrible smoke a lot and uh, it doesn't need to be affecting them. But, you know, whatever, it's a video game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's and also it's they chose to make an open world game, uh, which is an interesting choice, I would say. Um, because and it actually is pretty open a, a couple of days in if you really want to just explore. There's actually some there's a few little secrets you can find around from the turtle. Which did you guys find the turtle? That's yeah, one of the easier yeah. ones to find. Um, yeah, Turt Reynolds. Uh, which and then, <laughs> that's why I named mine too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, or there's a. It, if you find the uh, there's an old lookout that got burned down, if you find the old cabin, uh, there's a and you check the stove in there. If you do it on any day but the second day, which is the most likely day for you to run past it, if you ever go back, you'll get attacked by a raccoon. Oh, cool. <laughs> so there's, yeah, so there's like little a bunch of little stuff in the game that it rewards exploration, which is kind of neat. It's I feel like they don't necessarily do a great job of balancing uh, the exploration versus the narrative pull. Cause I feel like a lot of it is pretty, it feels pretty linear for the most part. Cause it, I mean, uh, but it is there if you want it. And then again, you said you like rich summer performance. I love, I, I also liked it. I like Sissy Jones also as Lila. Mm-hmm. I think there, it has some of the more natural dialogue. Yeah. I've come across in a game and yeah, uh, I agree. Incredibly strong. There's a lot of, a lot, a lot of emotion presented, and like, you really feel a relationship develop over such a short period of time, playing wise. Because I mean, they do a montage essentially halfway through that takes up a lot of their, cuts out a lot of the in between time of them meeting, and it, but it doesn't feel, it doesn't really feel like you missed, you missed anything, and it doesn't feel, it never feels like unnatural their relationship, at least to me. I don't yeah. know if you guys agree with me, yeah. but uh, yeah. Yeah, it seems it seems like this sort of weird, you know, they're friends, but are they a little more? Or are they not? It, you know, you can sort of make it go one way or the other at, at a certain point in the game, but at the end, maybe not. It's yeah, it, it's a little it's a little up in the air because, you know, you got two people who never meet. And um, actually, what little bit of tidbit uh, thing there I found while digging was that uh, Rich and um, oh God, what, I'm sorry, what was the woman's name again? Uh, Sissy Jones. Sissy, Sissy, yeah. Uh, they agreed to not actually meet in person until their dialogue was recorded. This way, they would feel sort of like they were doing this, basically, um, the way that Delilah and Henry were doing this. Awesome, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's super neat. Yeah. choice of it i do i do want to talk about that um because there are a lot of dialogue choices in this game but they don't necessarily 
it's not it's not necessarily a choice driven game person like there are you can basically develop henry how you how you see fit but the story itself is pretty much the story there's very little you can change about it um opposed as a so uh, how, how did you guys feel I, I mean the game opened with a really big up style uh just basically, uh, it's just blank screen with words on it telling the story of Henry and his and his uh, wife and what happens with, between them. And you can you can basically choose how Henry was as a husband, essentially for mm-hmm. the most part, sort of. Um, you can pick they they bring out like bits and pieces from the relationship, and you can kind of paint your own picture of Henry as a husband. And but you know that at the end of the day, at the end of the game. The same thing happens for everyone at the end of the game. You you leave, and you never meet Delilah. So how do you, how do you guys, how do you guys feel about the, the choices versus like necessarily not necessarily you know, true like choose your own adventure style game? Like, did it was it were they impactful still even if it didn't really change much outside of your your opinion of Henry? Or I I thought it was nice to um, like it was like a good way to get involved in the game. Like I feel like I would have been way less. Um, way less engaged, like, obviously, right? Way less engaged if I had been making those choices myself. I thought it was really fun the second time through to be like, I'm going to be an asshole this time. <laughs> uh, rather than being like, um, you know, my initial my initial reaction to the situation is not to be a jerk to my, like, to, like my poor wife with dementia. Um, so I thought it was really interesting. And it was a good way, I think, to start it. And then that um, paired with, like, the, the walking through the woods sequence, um, it gave it, like, a really cool feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it like it made it like a more uh, more connected emotionally to the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason, how do you how did you feel about it? If that dialogue hadn't been there, I honestly like I feel like that's the strongest suit of the game is the mm-hmm. dialogue between the two of them. If that really hadn't been there, you know, even given the choices, you can kind of make it play out a little bit how you want it, even so much as ignoring Delilah if you choose or mm-hmm. are struggling to remember the control scheme at the very beginning. Like, what the hell am I doing? How do I get there? How do I get here? But I don't know that I would recommend this thing at all because I felt like that was so much driving force in it and walking around in digital woods. Like, it's pretty, but I tended to, kind of like Vanessa, get lost quite a bit. And I think if there wasn't something there kind of keeping me entertained... I don't know how I would have felt about the game. Um, those instances where Delilah and Henry are, you know, quiet with each other, mm-hmm. you know, for one reason or another, it being just, you know, there's nothing to say or whatever. The game, I felt like the game, my opinion of the game just kind of slid down quite a bit. I was like, yeah, oh, this isn't really that entertaining. Okay, cool. Kind of bored. Kind of looking for something to do. And then I would see the, uh, you know, the icon pop up where I can radio in something to Delilah. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Okay. I, I'm not huge. <laughs> It, it, the whole thing with it not affecting the ending itself doesn't really bother me. I'm, I, I guess in that sense, I kind of feel the same way about like you know the way I do with Mass Effect Three. It was the, the in the middle. It was everything in the middle that it was important that was important to me. I, I don't really feel like one way or the other. It sort of played out too much differently. But I enjoyed the the meat of what was in there the, in the sandwich. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, I actually really enjoy, I really like the ending. Um, it's incredibly an incredibly bittersweet ending. Um, uh, it not it, well. It just really depends on what you choose dialogue-wise, but it's mostly a pretty overall bittersweet ending, um, in that you don't actually get to meet Delilah ever. Uh, she leaves before you get there, and uh, so. But yeah, I think it. I think they execute it really well. And also, on a side note, on their developer commentary about that, they they're really proud of the ending. 
And uh, even though a lot of people were, uh, there were a lot of people wrote into them upset that you don't actually get to meet Delilah, and there's no way to uh, to do that. So they they stick to their guns on that one at least. Now, an aspect of the game they also have a, some regrets on is how heavily they lean into some conspiracy theory stuff throughout it, and how much they kind of. I feel they think they they say that they think they went to a little too far with the conspiracy stuff, not necessarily the ideas of it, just like leading the player along on it because there really isn't nothing. There really is nothing there. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. I can agree with and that. And I, I, that was my biggest issue with the game. I mean, there's probably a podcast somewhere of me talking about this game when, <laughs> on this site because uh, I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> um, that's always bugged me, and it still did. And even though it's a little funnier now because you, when you know what it is, it's a, a little more humor involved and in their paranoia that you know that you know is just paranoia for the most part. Um, but it's also kind of not. <laughs> it's like... Because they're being watched by someone, but not the person they think they're being watched by. It's a whole thing. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just it's like it's like it's I, John, kind of, you can argue it's kind of the whole thing. Yeah, it is like the whole thing, but it, it always it left me. It feels hollow at the end of it. I don't know. I don't. It, there's no satisfaction in it. Like there's no like I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I can really explain my ex, explain myself. Uh, quite yet. Vanessa, okay. how did you feel about it? Oh, Jason, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I have a question for you then. Okay, so the whole thing at the um, like the earthquake station or whatever that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did the person go and put the like psychiatric notes there and leave them? Yeah, that's a really odd. Because I was trying to figure out. Because you look, you get, you find those in his. In uh, Ned Goodwin is a previous member. Of, is the previous guy in the lookout prior to you at the firewatch station, and he brings his son there, and uh, Delilah knows that kids, children are not allowed. She, she hides that, um, and but they disappear. And so yeah, you find Ned's bunker, and in it are some fake research notes, mm-hmm. psych, psych psych notes. Yeah, that you that you find previously when you break into a research station in the middle of the woods because you think people are spying on you because you've been st- stuck in the woods for three months. <laughs> but uh, or, you know, uh, well, also there's you know the whole thing of like um, Ned kind of leading you on that there's something going on too, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then also them their um, radio conversations being recorded or listened to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so How did Ned do that. <laughs> Because like, Ned, they—I don't think they developed Ned enough. No, to, no, yeah. Which yeah. is, I think, I think that that's it. That's that's the issue is that it, that they create this whole other idea of a conspiracy with this research station, but it's really Ned the whole time. But you don't get enough of Ned, and maybe there's some stuff you can read somewhere because they do put a, a lot of optional stuff to read along the way. You never have to read anything, but they do put stuff out there for you to read if you want to. Yeah, and maybe that helps, but. It just never feels. It feels like Ned Goodwin um, is just. He just kind of becomes the answer to what's happening. Instead yeah. Of like it. It sort but, of feels like yeah. in most JRPGs, how all of a sudden it becomes God that you have to kill at the end. Yeah, and oh, it was Ned Goodwin the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I did I, think. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, as the only parent here on the podcast, like I <laughs> can sort of sympathize a little bit with him but at the same time like he just wasn't developed enough that i really felt like his reaction to what happened which i we can get into either now or later i don't care but mm-hmm. it just it wasn't they didn't they they just couldn't cash that check like they just didn't give enough give him enough development that i feel like ned was enough of a character 
that finding out what I find out, like I could really empathize with them to a point. Like as as a parent, yes, I kind of can. That I don't know if something like that had happened to one of my kids that I would have stayed too mentally stable, but I don't know if somebody who isn't a parent would have that same reaction. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like when they were developing this game, I don't put words in their mouths, but I, I feel like a lot of the focus had to have been on Hank and Delilah, oh, Hank, Henry and Delilah naturally, um, because, you know, they're the protagonists of the yeah. game. Um, and I feel like eventually they, got, they came to a point where they were like, well, I guess we need a... We need uh, an antagonist, or you know, something to for them to uh, to, do? to do, I guess. So they developed this. I, I don't know. I just the conspiracy never felt like it. That's this. Like it kind of does because you know they're the paranoia of being trapped in the woods and Henry's going through a lot of stuff mentally and emotionally because I didn't mention his wife is uh, suffering from um, early onset dementia, and uh, so he's dealing with that aspect of his life at this point and is. So, um, very mentally unstable, and Delilah has been doing this every summer for a long time, apparently. So, like, I I kind of get the where they go with that, but I don't know. It just never feels satisfying. Now, the Brian stuff, which is Ned's son, who who uh, find find out, uh, died in a climbing accident. I, mean, I do think uh, finding him, they was a pretty uh, was a relatively impactful moment, even though you kind of get the gist of it before you find him you're like yeah the kid's not probably not alive um but i do think the way you find him is pretty impactful i guess but yeah it just feels like as they're still a little unsatisfied i don't know it's, it's like the, the the mysteries in this game are very unsatisfying mm-hmm. compared to just just uh the relationship of the two protagonists yeah so, and vanessa and i were texting a little um the other day and we both feel like Ned totally killed him because um, rocks don't just kind of fall in your head like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard to. It, I mean, they they I leave it where it seems like it's an accident, but that rock on Brian's head is like, oh no, clearly Ned crushed his head in. Yeah, um, and the, but then they also, if you the camera, which is cool. I don't know if you guys filled out the camera roll. I did the second time I played. Yeah, I got um, it. I, I got it, it the first it, time. Yeah, yeah. It rolls through the the every picture you've taken, and then and then it goes into the ones that um, Ned and Brian took. Mm-hmm. Their camera. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, at the during the credits, it and then you see like there's like a really good one of him of Ned and Brian like sitting on the steps of the uh, lookout, just you know, and they're both smiling. And I just I I, I really wish they had developed those two characters more. Yeah, because I feel like I feel like they really could have had something there. If they just focus less on the the conspiracy theory, the government yeah. conspiracy theory, and more on just this this man that went crazy in the woods, who was already kind of crazy when he got there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's always been something uh, it's been disappointing about this game because I like a lot of things about it. Like I don't, I didn't let you guys talk about it. How do you guys feel about the the world itself? How uh, I know it's kind of it's pretty empty, but I do think it's visually really interesting in a way that I pre- I can. It, it helps me just want to travel through it. Um, not much yeah. to do, I guess, but, you know. I didn't mind. Um, I wish uh, wish the trails might have been a little bit more marked. Or, um, like, I just found myself, like, walking into some trees or some rocks and being like, oh, my God, now I'm stuck in a – maybe this is a personal problem. I'm stuck <laughs> in the corner next to these rocks. Yeah, you, uh, I'm wondering – I'm curious the Switch version, if it really did – if it really was just running really poorly. Because, I mean, 
again, small team, you know, they, I'm sure the engine wasn't as tight as it could have been, uh, for, uh, for a bigger, with a bigger budget, but, and they're trying to do a lot, uh, in a very small space. Yeah. Um, I'm sure the frame rate probably suffered from it, I would guess. Yeah. Other than that though, I thought like, I liked the environments. I felt like it was cool that they, um, like guided you around a bit, like going up the Canyon was fun. Like it's nice. I think the way that they encouraged exploration was neat. Um, it was cool to have all the different, uh, different places. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, and there was no like expectation of your superpowers uh, or, you know, you, for you to be a superhero, except he climbed a lot of rocks, uh, which I don't know that Henry really could have done that because he seems kind of grumpy and old. <laughs> if you but... listen to the, there's a, there's a tape, tape about how they designed, uh, Henry and they based him on the heavy from team fortress, um, wreck it, Ralph and Louis CK. <laughs> that's a, that's a whole lot of, yeah. They based his like portly uh, middle-aged man design on those three. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that they. I, I well, I don't think Louis C.K. can climb all those rocks. Maybe the other ones can. After <laughs> yeah, wreck it, Ralph probably good. Yeah, yeah, because he's gonna wreck it. <laughs> he can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what do you? What do you feel about the world, Jason? Um. I guess as a guy who's not really that into the woods uh, in the yeah. first place, I was kind of like, eh, I, I, it felt a little too directionless at times. And like the instance, I, I think it was like what the second day that you're there and you go rock climbing and your rope breaks and you're like, Oh great. Now I got to go walking. Like, I, I guess they needed a way to get you kind of out there, but it just seemed forced that like, okay, well here, here's how you're going to have to walk all the way around now. It's like, oh, come on, really? You couldn't have, I don't know. They just, again, this is, probably a fault of me that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a suburbanite. I'm a city boy. I do not really care about the woods. I'm, I'm very much on the, in the camp of uh, Jim Gaffigan where we invented the indoors to get away from the out of doors. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, this, this probably as much as a uh, exploration of, of the great outdoors that I would like, but it like Vanessa, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and mirror that thought that um, I wish the paths were a little bit more clear at times, but a little bit better marked because I feel like I missed out a lot. Like, of just the scenery because I had my map up half the time trying to figure out where the hell I was. Yeah. I got pretty good navigating it. I'd say. Well, but. you're, you seem like more competent than me and Jason combined. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I do, I do also like, I do also like hiking. So yeah. there we go. So that, uh, we, we knew something was wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, uh, I, yeah, I, I like the world. I think it's pretty, I think it's uh, got a lot of charm to it. And, um, uh, I do, I, th- I thought that I didn't need a climbing it. I wish I had a jump button as opposed to a climb for everything. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do at this point, I guess? Uh, sometimes I didn't want to do a climbing animation to get over a log. I just wanted to jump over the log. You know, small <laughs> yeah. things. Um, especially, when, especially when you're in a rush, right? Or, like, climbing down the rope. It's like, oh, my God. Or climbing up the rope. They, uh, they did they do a lot of small things in the environmental design too, especially in like the lookouts, which is uh, really fun. You know, they, if you collect stuff throughout, it'll it'll appear in Henry's lookout um, as you as you go along, and from his conspiracy board full of papers you've collected to uh, like the fireworks you can steal from the teens, or you know your turtle, of course. Um, <laughs> and uh, did you guys uh, talk about Pork Pond with Delilah? There's a. There's... Um, I think so. Yes. There's a, scene, yeah. there's a small, like nothing pond. Uh, it's called Pork Pond, but the sign's missing. And Delilah's like, "Yeah, kids, 
kids love to steal this for pork pond. It's a great name. Mm-hmm. And then you find, and then you find, if you look in her lookout at the end, pork pond sign is in, is hanging up in her lookout. Yeah. I saw that. I, oh, really? I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. yeah. That's uh so there's little stuff like that's really great. Like her, I, I like walking around in her lookout after you, after you uh, get there. Um, and just really like, if you look around, like it just all makes sense based on what they've been writing about, like the dialogue, you find, you see your crossword puzzles that she's always doing and stuff like that which is you know there's a lot of attention to detail which i appreciate in this game uh they really cared they really cared about these two characters and they really like fleshed out these two characters that one of which you never even see so (laughs) it's uh so yeah i like i do like that um how do you guys how do you feel about the uh ending vanessa i didn't mind the ending i like i'm with you guys on like the whole like the mystery didn't really come through for me but I don't mind having to like evac and I like, I don't mind that we never met Delilah because like, it was kind of like a, like if you, if you, if you got romantic with her, it was kind of like weird anyway. Cause it's like, you could feel like it, it like makes you a little bit uncomfortable because you know that this guy is married slash you yourself, Henry mm-hmm. <laughs> are married to um, mm-hmm. your wife who you kind of abandoned. Um, yeah. So I think it was, I think it was the right ending. Yeah, I agree. I agree. She has, if you, if you, there's there's a tr- trigger in the dialogue where if you don't talk to, if you don't if you either tell her too much about yourself or too little, um, she won't tell you about Javier, who's her old lover, current yeah. lover situation. Yeah. So, oh that's a yeah, whole, I got that. So yeah, there's a whole aspect like that's the thing. Uh, I think, I guess we have a the, the incident. The the dialogue trees in this game are vast. Like there are a lot of things you can miss in this game just based on how you choose to talk to each other. So that's um, you can get a lot more about um, Delilah or or Henry just based on s- certain choices you make in the dialogue or less. So anyway, Vanessa, I'm sorry, keep, keep, keep going. Oh no, I mean that I, I thought the ending was a good ending. Um, I'm, I would love to see a map of all the dialogue trees though, because I don't I don't remember if they, if you talked about Javier or not, but I would love to. Like, that's actually one thing I wouldn't mind playing again, even though I feel like I will not play this game again, except to hear the audio tour parts, but to, like, just mess with the dialogue and see, like, what the different responses are. <laughs> yeah, you should, the, the, the tree for just the opening um, section with all the different um, choices you can make throughout that um, beginning with, uh, about, about his relationship with Julia mm-hmm. is pretty, is pretty significant just by itself, so, and it all, I think it all, I mean, it all leads to the same thing, but it's, like, I guess it just depends on how you feel about a story. Do you care about like, is the, the ending the, the most important part? Yeah. Or do you like, do you like the details in between? Um, so, uh, Jason, how do you feel about the ending? I, you know, I don't want to say it was like unsatisfied, but I was okay with it. It was all the stuff in between that I was kind of ended up there for it. And it really was just that sort of Ned thing at the end that I was like, Oh, okay. Like this yeah. wasn't fleshed out and deserved enough. And I, I actually, just swung swung for it and was like, oh, yeah, hey, why don't you come and meet me when you get a chance? And she's like, sure, maybe I can do that. And I kind of appreciated the, yeah, clearly this isn't going to happen. There's nothing that's going to happen here. Even though one of the nights um, when you're watching the fire burn and you name it, um, Delilah and you sort of seem to be, um, I guess, uh, sexting over radio? <laughs> yeah, it's like kind of doing some sort of sex talk over radio. It cuts out. It cuts away. Yeah. But, uh. The implication well, is certainly there. I named it Flapjack Fire. Yeah, that's, yeah that's what I did I too. I don't remember what I named yeah, it. Yeah, I did also name it that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I the first time I played it, I think I agreed more with you, Jason. I think I liked the ending more this time because I I didn't wasn't as disappointed by the other part of the game that I could actually just focus on 
the main crux of the game, I guess, that they were trying to get across. It just mm-hmm. feels like they might kind of lost the main crux a little bit. Um, they got a little, too, like I said, over, a little too overzealous with the conspiracy thought. Um, and got away from the the relationship that they should have focused more on throughout. Um, but yeah, I like, I just like how um, empty it feels in a good way. Like in terms of like writing, like they, I think they nail exactly what they want, what they were, what they were setting out to do, and uh, the, and making you just feel in the and giving you the feeling that Henry has right there, just like, huh, this is not, this is, uh, I really gotta go deal with my my own life. I gotta go back to the re. I have to go back to reality now, and it's like this eighty-day um, excursion into the woods um, was just a, a basically like a fantasy land he was living in for a while. So, uh, also fun fact: I learned doing the audio log thing because it's funny because it kind of goats you into doing it. Is if you uh, <clears throat> wait too long, get on the helicopter, it leaves it leaves without you, and that's an actual ending in the game. What? Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I'm surprised that uh, that didn't happen to me because it took me a really long time to get to that watchtower. <laughs> the guy that's well, it, the helicopter has to land first. The, the very, oh, okay. the very, very end. Uh, that guy reaches his hand out to you, and in the audio log version, he's holding the last audio log, um, and he kind of pulls it away for a second. So when you finally get it, it's it's just long enough to where the, when the audio starts playing, it tells you the, the helicopter starts flying away, and they start talking about how the ending, the ending in the game, where the helicopter will leave you behind. Um, <laughs> that's a cute touch. So that's. Yeah, so that was fun. Uh, yeah, those audio logs are great. I believe they actually, for the five-year anniversary in February, or around then, they released all the audio logs in like a PDF you could go and read. Um, oh, that's nice. So that exists, too. <laughs> so is the implication that Henry just decided to let himself die there? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. It is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, it's it's pretty hard to get. You basically have to just like stand there looking at the helicopter, or just not climb it, not climb in. It's funny. It's a. It was a funny little touch they did at the end mm. too. Okay. Uh, yeah, because see, I I see that as like oh hell, like you know, one of my kids needs something, so I have to go put my controller down. And I just forgot to hit what equates out to the pause button and walk away, and like all of a sudden, like oh oh what what happened? Oh oh yeah. okay, I'm gonna sit here and my decision was to let myself burn to death. Cool. Yeah, so, you know, I guess that could happen. That could happen to you. That is a, that is a possibility. Uh, but uh, I guess they took that. They took that chance. Uh, I want to get into some uh, you know, specific moments that you like. Jason, what's your favorite moment in the game? If you, if you have any, your favorite thing in the game, if you have a, a favorite thing you could point to. I would say probably Brian's little hideout. It just kind of struck me as, you know, again, as the only parent here, like this is something that a kid who is probably not bored out of his mind, but seems not really to get along with his dad incredibly well, but is trying and also is like, seems very bright and is his dad or he's like you know he and his dad are trying to reconcile with the way brian is that's different than the way ned is like they just seem like very polar opposites and this was a trip to sort of try to get them to bond and it didn't really work out and brian was also trying to keep his own interest going you know with his um 
whatever the mm-hmm. equivalent of Dungeons and Dragons was. Wyverns and something, Wyverns and Warriors, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, it sounds yeah. right. Yeah, so, you know, I, that was probably my favorite thing. It was just that little touch. Of, or not, it was a pretty big touch, but, you know, having all that stuff there and really kind of fleshing out Brian of, like, oh, who this kid is and why this camping trip probably wasn't as great for him um, as they were hoping, but also why this camping trip happened in the first place. Like, you get the sense that he and Ned aren't the greatest of father-son companions, and this was an attempt to make it work, and clearly, as things went on, it didn't really work out, and this was Brian's sort of little hideaway to get away from that. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking of the women and warriors thing, that early on in the game, if you open a drawer, you can find a 20-sided die in the lookout, <laughs> and it's just a really rant. It's like, what the fuck is... Because I forgot, I forgot about his... Uh, he plays Dungeons & Dragons or whatever the equivalent is. It's just like the random 20-sided die in the lookout, and you're like, why is this here? And that's like, oh, because Brian was in here. Um, so it's a, again, that's that, a sad. <laughs> that little that little thing, you know, they, those little things they do. Um, uh, Vanessa, you have a you have any anything you want to highlight? Um, I threw the girls' boombox in the lake, and I found that pretty satisfying. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what your what your guys' approach was. I <laughs> took it with me for like a mile and chucked it into the woods. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's that's pretty funny. It's pretty good. Yeah, I, I enjoy. It was fun that you were able to like do things like that and have the freedom um, to like kind of mess around with the environment a little bit. Um, and I did. I did enjoy. Like, I did really enjoy the scenery. I thought that was fun. Um, I did not enjoy. Well, I guess we'll get to the non joys in a second, though. But yeah, I like the freedom of things. It was fun to like mess with the girls. I like the the carefree moments of the earlier game. <laughs> yeah, they really it really does. That second half of the game post montage is uh it's it's very focused in what it's trying to get, get across so it's not as not as carefree as uh day two or three or whatever day two mm-hmm. is the um which is leads into mine which is my fa- I, I think the montage is my favorite part of the game uh, i think it just gets so much across in these shortcuts about the relationship d- developing i think it's yeah i just i really i just really enjoy that and a lot of a lot of games don't do some don't do montages um, which they actually, they actually talked about another audio log. They talked about how how hard it is to do in a game. Just loading a world in and out that quickly is very hard to do in a game. So that's why it's not done very much. Uh, and I think they did a great job because uh, just uh, the writing is just so strong throughout. Frustrating wise, I think. I mean, we I we already talked about it. I mean, it's a, it's a, the Ned Goodwin slash the conspiracy stuff is just really unsatisfying. Trying to think if I can think of another thing to 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 bring up. I mean, those that that, that just sticks out so blatantly in my mind because I like a lot. I really really like a lot of the things about this game. Like, I really really like a lot of the things. Um, uh, but that that it's such a, such a such a black eye on the rest of it. Vanessa, you you definitely had one that you wanted to to, to mention. Um, I think uh, the false urgency. Like, I'm not sure what would have happened in any of the scenes that took too long, but. Uh... And when you press pause, it was like, like start this day over again. I'm like, maybe I can die. Or maybe, like, what happens if I don't get, well, like, will something eat me if I don't get home in time? So just, like, <laughs> things like that where I'm, like, rushing around because I'm like, oh, my God, night is falling. Ah. But I really could have just taken my time and it would have been, like, I could have just calmed down a little bit and it would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> I wish somebody had told me that, like, it's going to be, like, there's no rush. You're an outdoorsman, kind of. You're going to be fine. <laughs> Take your yeah, time. I, I can see that. I, I, I agree. I feel like the dialogue makes it, things a little more urgent most of the time than they probably need to be. Uh, with how open with how open the game actually is, 
Yeah. They probably could they probably could have given you a day to just truly just explore. I did feel like I was like running around a lot and then that made it feel like a yeah, I've got my, my map and my compass, and I'm like, oh, like this doesn't look familiar. That I'm stuck in, a, as I said before, like I'm stuck between two trees and maybe a rock because I like just can't <laughs> was get out of there. Trying to rush. <laughs> Speaking of what you can name, yeah, you talk about the Aries ran by. You can name a few of them. Did you, what did you guys name the the slope at the beginning um, that you uh, can climb down, but you fall uh, on the way down the first time? You can name it uh, if you I, talk to Delilah. Honestly, I don't even remember. I don't yeah. think I. I don't, I don't think I, I did that either. It. If you, if you talk to her when you get there, you can you can name it. And I, I named it. Uh, my shitty boss is gonna get me killed. Hill is one of the options. <laughs> That's what I went with. So, uh, uh, Jason, yeah, what's your what's your biggest frustration from this game? I would say the hard cuts at the end of the day. The hard cuts. Yeah, just like oh, we're at the end of the day, and you don't really have any clue that the day is ending, and it's just like okay, going on to the next day. It's like well, great, I'm miles and miles away and i wanted to explore a little bit and nope okay well i'm not heading back this direction thanks yeah there are a couple there is one the one after you find the tent is was uh because there was an audio log i didn't get to listen to because it because i triggered the mm. the hard cut basically dialogue um so yeah i, I feel i feel you on that one jason that that, that that is good that's a good good pull on that one uh, that was frustrating music wise it's pretty subtle throughout a lot of yeah. acoustic a lot of acoustic uh, things throughout. Uh, um, What's the name of the Chris Remo? Is that the uh, composer? Yes. And it was funny because as you were naming all of them, they're the people in the audio logs. So I, I recognize all the names you mentioned because they're uh, the ones that are talking, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, I think it's nice. I don't think any of it really sticks out in my mind uh, at all. Uh, as someone who likes acoustic accompaniments and things like that. So. I agree. I mean, as... I'm a guy who like, you know, I, I enjoy stuff that sticks out mostly, but you know, I can appreciate stuff like in the last of us. That is a nice accompaniment to the game. Even Mm -hmm. though I go back and listen to it on its own. I'm like, there, there's nothing here for me. It's like, Oh, this is, this is fine in the game. It's, it's good atmospheric stuff, but on its own, I'm kind of like, eh, this isn't really what I'm wanting to listen to on my own. Yeah. I felt like they never, I felt like they didn't trigger the music early enough. A lot of times too. I feel like there was a lot of, time when you're just running in the woods and it's and i like i appreciate the you know the naturalistic noises but i feel like in some of the more um urgent scenes i feel like they could use a little more a little more music um personally mm-hmm. Vanessa, any musical thoughts um i just remember being um like i guess i hadn't heard any music up until this point and then at some point I'm like oh like there's like um, adventure music playing in the background. Like I remember being like actively surprised because I guess like I thought there were just going to be only na- like woods noises. <laughs> so I yet. was a little bit surprised. <laughs> so there was that you were surprised there was an actual soundtrack. Yeah, I was surprised that when the soundtrack showed up because I guess I either hadn't noticed before or like it hadn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, if I had a big complaint about it, I feel like the instances where it does kind of kick in, it's a little too handholdy with your emotions. Mm, yeah the dialogue does a lot of heavy lifting in this game that I feel like you didn't need the, probably didn't need, you need the music behind it to add to it. Yeah. I, um, I, I don't need swelling strings or something like that to feel like I should be sad at this moment or something. You know, it's like, you can you be talking, a little bit more subtle. Are you talking about the Brian reveal?
Yeah, I mean, there's just a few instances. I mean, just the swallowed strings was the first thing that popped in my head, but it's just there's a few instances where the music sort of plays up, plays along with the mood a little too much. Like it becomes because it's not there so often. The instances where it pops up kind of I don't want to say stand out specifically, but they become more obvious, and then you start noticing like, oh, okay. And you know, as a guy who you know has a video game music podcast, I tend to notice this stuff a lot more. But it's just like, oh, okay. Well, this is trying to make me feel this way for this moment in this game. And like you said, John, I feel like the dialogue did enough of selling that. I needed, I didn't need quite so much of a handhold with the audio clues there. I could have just you know a little bit more subtle, I suppose, in those instances where. I don't know. Like I said, again, like I, I'm all for like, you know, in like a, like a JRPG or whatever. You got a, you got a big bombastic, um, you know, final boss music or whatever. I'm great with that. It's like, yeah, get me pumped up for this. And, but like when I'm sitting here in this, like, you know, kind of slow paced narrative driven game, I don't really need something to pop up and like, okay, well, here's how you're supposed to feel right now. Like, okay, cool. I guess. Mm-hmm. Thanks. I could have figured that out on my own based on the dialogue and the tone of, um, you know, uh, Tissy and Rich's voices, but okay. Thanks for the extra clue. <laughs> yeah it's uh even that brian reveal they uh they do like a lot of dramatic lighting too and stuff too and then it's a really big slope so just like right there in front of you mm-hmm. so they, they they definitely are going for it on that one i thought it, i thought that one worked uh, specifically um but I, I do agree there isn't they don't need that in every um big dramatic scene all right uh the second last segment we got here we're gonna do a, a q a uh and our, we went over on Reddit this time, and also Twitter and Instagram, and uh, we got a decent handful of questions here, or actually not, it's more like uh, comments, favorite fa- comments from favorite moments, things like that, experiences with the game. So, how would you like to break these up? Just one at a time, just go down this one at a time, or uh, trading off? What do you guys think? We should. Uh, yeah, we'll just take turns. Why don't? Um, Vanessa, you start. I'll, I'll go next, and then John, you go, and then we'll just kind of go in that order. That sounds oh. good to me. So, um, so this one should, should say the name. I've never had a user yeah. come up before. Yeah. <laughs> so Jack Attack Twenty One says his favorite things were number one, the music, and number two, when Delilah saw someone in his tower while he was far from it. Uh, sorry, Jack Attack Twenty One. That, that uh, for my just a couple minute diatribe <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> the, uh, can we all agree that the, the Delilah seeing someone in the tower moment was pretty good? I guess, yeah. uh, yes, yes. That, yeah. That was uh, one of those instances where I actually felt like I needed to rush back. I was like, okay, I'm going to run. And then, you know, having to chop down the tree to get across the the little, you know, drop down there. I was like, oh, go, 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 go. Come on, come on, come on, Henry. You can do it. You can do it. Come on, schlubby dude, do it. Yeah, they really they really sell that stuff. Um, yeah. The panic, you can just hear the panic in both their voices at mm-hmm. that point. It's great. Jansen commented on that on that comment, <laughs> and he said he, he agreed, and he agreed with that. Basically, our whole statement there on the tower scene. So I can probably he says the combination of music and the chills during your conversation with Delilah, realizing that the person he is looking at in your tower isn't you. Great writing and voice acting there. Agreed, Jansen. Agreed. <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll pick up the next one here from Luigi six four one two eight. I remember getting in on launch day and being so excited to find out what mysteries awaited. The trailers were beautifully crafted to make you wanting more, and the game was no different. I ended up playing it for around four hours straight until I beat it, which is something I don't think I've done with my indie games before. I never replayed it, but it still stands out strong in my memory as an amazing time. Honestly, this is very this, this mirrors my experience with the, with the game for a long time as well. Um, uh, and I, I, I don't I, I think I uh, had more reservations about it, but I overall like 
it, it was a pleasant experience for me as well, and a game I was really looking forward to, and for the most part, delivered uh, and what I was looking for. So, Luigi, good comment. <laughs> <laughs> Got six upvotes. All right, up next is CK779, and they say, To be honest, my favorite memory experience most likely would be my second or third playthrough. I already know or knew what the story was about, so I was more focused on the environment and was also on a little Easter egg hunt. May sound boring, but simply walking around on day two and going everywhere was fantastic. Still think or still think of this game to this day. And that's a comment I would agree with. I think if I did ever decide to go back and replay this, I think, especially as I mentioned, my least favorite thing, well, maybe one of the things that stand out more the hard cuts at the end of the day that you're like oh 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 crap the day's over i didn't great okay knowing that those are there and what the impetus is that triggers them i would feel a little bit more inclined to explore maybe find the raccoon in the stove like you know it'd be kind of cool um i did get stung by a bee and found the turtle so i feel like i got most or a good chunk of them but just the little things in the game that i you know found here and there too were nice little touches so yeah i, I agree with ck779 there mm-hmm. Yeah, as someone who did play it for a second time, I actually I, I agree. I think I found it. I think I enjoyed it more the second time than I did the first time. All right, Vanessa. This one's nice and short. I flies too says I love looking at Delilah's tower from the two forks and imagining she's looking back at me. I enjoyed that too. It's always fun when it would like pop up as like a little like note in your in your viewport. Yeah, the the way that you could you could almost see her tower pretty much everywhere you were at was was, yeah. a, was a nice touch. Um, and Ned's bunker. You can actually see uh, both uh, lookouts from from his uh, big window, and that you can comment on that. And that's actually uh, the actual world design. It's not that's not a trick. They can actually that's actually like exactly where they are in the in relation to him in the world. So that's cool. All right, uh, No Boy says the first time going into YPD Meadow. I've never been so nervous in any game. Uh, yeah, I think the first time I went, you, you are a little because ner- you're in the woods, you know, and. The woods are scary because you don't know what that, what's out in the woods. Mm-hmm. So you're wandering into this research. You break into a research station in the middle of the woods uh, in the middle of the night. So uh, unfortunately, they don't they don't deliver. But they. I feel like that was parsed down a little bit by the uh, scavenger hunt you had to go through to get the axe to get in there. Oh yeah. Um. Did you not find the axe at the fire camp? I did. It just, okay. yeah, it, it just, like I said, it just feels like, oh, God, I had to go this roundabout way to break into this thing, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. it's go all the way to the fire camp, and then all oh. the way back to the opposite oh, wait, side of the you, map. Uh, did you not do that the first time you went to the fire camp? You, I you, did. You, maybe I'm getting the order mixed up, but it just, maybe, maybe yeah. there's just, you know what it was, too? I also went to, like, the place where I first found the fence and realized, that, like, oh, no, the gate was on the other side. It's like, oh, great. So I just spent another, like, 10 minutes walking uh, to yes. get over there. So I was like, oh, okay, this yeah. is, ugh. <laughs> ugh. Uh, also, Detoli Silva, which I definitely nailed correctly, uh, <laughs> said, but uh, he agreed, plus one, to that uh, to that comment. All right, next up is uh, Nathan McVitie. Uh, honestly, I adored getting my photographs in the mail. Uh, that took it from a special exploratory experience like Gone Home to something that crossed into the real world. It blurred the lines between game and reality for me and really deepened the emotions that I felt thanks to the dev's story. And that is something that um, actually our social media manager, Jesse, uh, kind of forwarded off to me too, that um, somebody she worked with at one point, uh, kind of mentioned that, and I, this was something I was unaware of that you could actually get the photographs that you took in the mail. So kind of like the real, like the real mail. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. I didn't know that. That's yeah. cool. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 
And uh, Elephant Tillages, Elephant Tillages <laughs> also agrees. What? When do you get that? <laughs> right. He, like that person is confused with us too. What? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds amazing. That sounds pretty cool. All right, Vanessa. Yeah, Pink Camo 77 says, bonding with my stepdaughter. When I first moved in with her dad, she loved playing on my Xbox One. She found Firewatch and we would take turns playing. So we spent a lot of time together playing this game. Now she's a teenager with a PlayStation and she thinks she's too cool to play games on the Xbox. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm on a playthrough all by myself again and I miss my game buddy. Oh, Aww. this would be such a fun Aww. game. Like this would be a great game to bond with someone over because it's so like weird and exploratory and like. You can kind of choose the dialogue things. Yeah. You can talk about it. Yeah, I agree. It'd be a fun little. I mean, it was fun to talk about, you know. So that's <laughs> so. yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Rico 09. Maybe not a popular opinion, but I thought the ending was perfect. I agree, Rico. I thought it, I, I, perfect maybe a little strong, but I thought it was very good. I thought it was a very good ending. Um, second time through, I appreciate it even more. So uh, the actual ending, not the the <laughs> <laughs> the sort the sort of climax. Uh, yeah, I can kind of agree with that. Like, I'm one of the uh, I want to say defender, but a uh, Mass Effect three ending defender. Like, I didn't I really, I didn't really yeah. feel like it was that bad. Like, okay, hey, we we got to this point, but there were dozens of little endings throughout that game. Like, I didn't need an ending at the very end of the game to wrap up everything. We got little wrap ups throughout there, and I feel like Firewatch did that pretty well. Where there were little wrap ups th- of things here and there, and I also. I guess my opinion with this thing is that this game really was going for it kind of feeling a little bit more like real life and real life sometimes doesn't have satisfying endings. Yeah. And, uh, I feel like it's probably something you can appreciate as you, as you age too. It's more of an ending that you can appreciate that way, I guess. I think also though, it's like, um, you know, it, it like really puts through the point of like, uh, you know, this was like literally an escape and now you have like, this wasn't real life. Mm-hmm. like you try to get away from your problems but your but problems you caught back. up with you mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah exactly mm-hmm. and the force is on fire now Wait and the force is on fire <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a metaphor it's a literal metaphor yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you run away from your problems you will start fire fire uh, start fire, forest fires <laughs> that's what smokey says um, oh, all, right. Boy. <laughs> all right next up is uh canon boy 228790 says the opening scene and his name is long his comment but it's yeah a comment. yeah 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 <laughs> now um I'm, I'm i'm wondering if canon boy means the like um you know just the written stuff in the beginning or the actual opening scene of where you're walking through it's mm. like it's kind of both, isn't it? Doesn't doesn't it bleed into the you you continue the the written stuff as you're walking along? Yeah, yeah. I just feel like maybe it was more that the like I guess the first time you actually really take control of Henry. Yeah, I I think uh, I I consider that all of the opening scene because okay. I feel like it's all all him getting from the opening. Uh, I mean, because it's a really cold cold opens to the dialogue about meeting Julia and then eventually mm-hmm. take control. But it does. I think it still continues the the backstory as you walk along and uh i, I think it's a i think it's a very powerful opening mm-hmm. uh, definitely definitely they watched up but uh and it's not quite <laughs> on that level but it's still pretty good no yeah. no all right vanessa um useless blender which is an excellent name yes absolutely says, <laughs> first of all the music but also the creepy twist i went into the game completely blind and all of that creepy stuff i just didn't see coming the game got way more interesting afterwards creepy stuff does he just mean like the you're being followed or being watched? yeah i think like the um 
and the, uh, the whole like breaking into this camp and they, yeah. they, which I kind of agree. I mean, I didn't love the creepy stuff actually. I thought it was going to be really more of me walking in the woods. Like once I like came to terms with the fact that I'm going to just walk around in the woods and stop fires. <laughs> and it got creepy. It was like, dang, this is not the game I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I kind of feel like I enjoyed the creepy stuff until it sort of fell flat on its face as far as its resolution. Yeah, I really, I think, I think they do a really good job of it, which is why it makes it more so disappointing when it's not what it's not what you think it is. Yeah, because um, yeah. it is, it is very unsettling. You know, when you walk around the woods and you feel like someone's watching you or following you in the game. In the game, um, so yeah, it's, it was it's, uh, very unfortunate. Gimbo <laughs> Atista, Atista. Every time when I was walking among this beautiful nature, and music started playing. Yeah, it was very pleasant. Gimbo Atista. Mm-hmm. Atista. <laughs> yes. Jason. All right. Next up, we have uh, Kilo Rev Z. Uh, definitely the fear, along with the music, from a guy who plays mostly online multiplayer games, having an environment where you literally can't find a single soul but are constantly being watched is one of the most scary things. The immersion of the game, along with the music, helps so much. It feels like loading into an empty multiplayer shooter lobby, walking around the map looking for people, but nobody is to be seen, constantly feeling watched. And they followed up with, I think that's what the game was meant to be about and to try to do, immerse yourself in the conspiracy unfolding, and you can't help but continue wanting to learn more about the what about what's happening. That is until the ending where everything is revealed. Some say it's underwhelming, but I think that's the point. The harsh kickback into reality is what makes the ending so special. They've made up this whole little conspiracy just to escape their own problems. I agree. I just think they did too good of a job creating the conspiracy. Yes. I think that's, yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that's the main problem. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I want to get across it. I guess that I do think that they did a good job making something, but I think it, it ended up harming what they wanted to get across at the end of it. But yeah, great point. You know, I think, I think he's right. You know, the, the that is what they were going for. And uh, so, uh, Vanessa? Yeah, Garage Enthusiast, which is also an excellent name. Mm-hmm. The time Henry finds the tape taped to his door, pure dread. I agree. <laughs> that was stressful. <laughs> oh, yeah, when there, someone breaks in. Was that, was that when he says, she says, someone's in your tower, or is that before yeah. that? Um, no, that was before, uh, yeah, no, that was the time with the tower. I yeah. Think, because before that, it was, like, vandalized by mm-hmm. maybe the girls. Yeah, maybe the girls climbed up your tower and vandalized it. Yeah. Um, also, the girls that you think got murdered in the woods by Ned, but just <laughs> stole a car and were in jail for a while. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a fun time. <laughs> oh, all right, Mikey Jack. The scenery is so beautiful. I love sunsets, sunsets, and seeing those sunsets in game are just absolutely stunning. The atmosphere of it all was so good too. I was enthralled with the story. I remember playing, and when you go to the research station, I felt as if somebody was going to chase me. Yeah, they again. They do. They do really nail it until they until they decide to uh, <laughs> not. Uh, all right, Jason. Let's see. We've got Peter Macan, uh, who actually kind of mirrors what you had brought up earlier, John. The credits when we see the photos that Brian left on his camera. Yeah, I think that. I, I think uh, it just it just made me want. It just disappointed me in a way. It's like, man, they should, they could have done so much more with the, with those two characters. Mm-hmm. They, uh, Unfortunately, they didn't. But it's still mm-hmm. a nice touch you know, when they showed the camera roll, and then you get you, you get to see the other cameras on the roll, which I think was a nice little a nice detail that uh, you might you might not have thought of, I guess, if you if you didn't think too hard about it. Yeah. 
Time winning 2846 says, when I thought it was going to turn into a semi-horror game, loving the experience, but I was left disappointed at the end. I'm pretty happy it didn't turn into a semi-horror game. I think that would have like, really, really <laughs> See our last podcast? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm not a games, and also like we need to play uh, Pikmin next. <laughs> Pikmin's a horror game. What are you talking about? Kind of. They do get eaten a lot. Yeah. A lot of murder in Pikmin. Yeah. There's so much murder. All right. We got two left here. Uh, Delta 45 Graham. The nighttime conversation with Delilah when we, where we get to name the fire. I personally named it the June fire, even though it's July. And the ending where Delilah gets a bit too intimate. We could, you know, feels authentic and sincere. Amazing dialogue. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a really good conversation. They, uh, when uh, is Delilah drunk in that conversation a little bit? I don't remember. Um, she's been drunk a couple of times. In this. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's a bit of a lush, um, <laughs> which is fine. Yeah, she has a lot of tequila in her tequila in her lookout. If you look around, there's a lot of tequila. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that seems that seems very good and just highlights the best parts of the game um, in one little moment. All right, Jason, last one. All right, and this is from. Maybe one of my favorite usernames here, Monolith Farmer. (laughs) This was the first video game I ever played, and I started it right after I broke up with my boyfriend of four years. Having this game about loss and how we adapt to it really helped me get through and learn from that hard time in my life. That's heavy. (laughs) I mean, mean, yeah, that is... Playing this game in that moment of your life, that's a lot. I mean, this game is, you know... He, and he, I think that he or she took it, took the uh, took the right thing away from this. Uh, I guess you know, yeah. it is it is about get if you I guess if you choose to, uh, Henry to take this path, it is it is about you know moving on and uh, figuring out the next step in your life. So uh, I'm glad uh, you got that experience with, with this game. No. Also, like, what a crazy first video game! Oh, yeah, ever played. A... Like, this is such like a um, like you know, it's certainly not the best game I've ever played, but it's like so narrative and beautiful and weird and different that it's like, gosh, could you imagine starting playing video games with this game? And be like, wow, are all video games like so all amazing? Games are like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, my my first video game was Rambo on the NES. That was uh, so badly, you know, like when an NES cart goes kind of weird and you need to blow on it or clean up the <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah, it just looks like really weird. Uh, that's what my first experience was and didn't realize that the game wasn't supposed to look like that. So <laughs> mine was Battle Arena Toshinden. Oh, so. God. I, I'm amazed you still play video games. Yeah. Uh, it was, we had that Crash Bandicoot Pandemonium 2, that one. And, uh, that classic, and, that old nugget, that old yeah, gem. And an NBA Live as of from 96 or 7. Oh my gosh, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. And then this person gets to play Firewatch as their first game. Like, yeah. what, what, a, what an experience with games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, I'm glad you had... I think this is a pretty cool first experience of a game. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Not, not all games are this good, though. Be careful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, as, as somebody who's been playing video games from, you know, very, very early age and also very early um, life in video games in general... Most video game narratives aren't this good, so if you if you are still playing and don't play too frequently, don't don't hold most video games narrative or narratives and uh, uh, dialogue up to the standard. Yes, don't hold all video game dialogue to the standard. Oh my God, <laughs> I, I would say I would say ninety nine point five um, yeah, dialogue. Is... Don't hold it up to because Rich Summer and uh, Sissy Adams, yeah, uh, Jones, Jones, Sissy Jones. Um, really sold the hell out of these two characters 
Yeah, this oh, yeah. is genuinely some of the best dialogue you'll ever find in a video game, uh, or performances you'll ever find in a video game, uh, up until now. So it's, uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, let's close it out here. Um, Vanessa, final thoughts. Would you recommend this game? I would. I would recommend this game. Um, not to everybody, but like uh, I actually did already recommend it to my work Slack channel because I was like, if anybody, we have an Nintendo Slack channel. I was like, if anybody wants an interesting game for the weekend, it's like kind of weird but has a great narrative <laughs> so yes i would recommend this and i have <laughs> yeah it's you know really short and to the point uh, jason yeah i would say so it's definitely not one that i think i would have ever gotten around to on my own if we hadn't picked it it like i said it's been sitting on my ps4 catalog for who knows how long at this point but i i enjoyed my time with it and despite some of its you know, I wouldn't even say failings, but some of its stumbles, I, I rather enjoyed it. And again, I, Rich Summer and uh, Sissy Jones just absolutely made this experience for me. Yeah, I think uh, I, I definitely would recommend it to most uh, people, especially if you're looking for, you know, a good a good, a good story in a game. This is definitely one to uh, to give a shot. Um, maybe maybe not necessarily the story itself, but, you know, the uh, the, the journey is pretty good. Uh, and then again, Rich Summer City Young really nail it. Uh, I also highly recommend if you like it enough to give it a second a second playthrough with those audio logs. You'll uh, it, it gives you a good picture into not not just development of this game, but like you know the, the challenges of just developing games in general. It's a really really quick way to give you a broader perspective on game making and what all it entails. Yeah, the uh, audio logs. I, I can't wait to get back into those. Yeah, they're really good. With that being said, I think it's time to close it out here. If you enjoyed this, first of all, I want to also thank you to all the commenters that uh, left those wonderful comments. They were uh, they were a treat to read. Yeah. Now, if you're listening to this and you like what you hear, you can uh, follow the show. Uh, you can follow the, our site at Games and Junk on Twitter. And you can follow, we, we will get all these shows. And you can also follow our other shows of Multimedia Failure, where myself, Vanessa, and Jason review, uh, rank, <laughs> review is not what we do we rank no. video game movies they're all uh, bad that's the review yeah <laughs> yes we, we rank every video game movie ever made uh against each other arbitrarily and we're doing it in chronological order it's a great time <laughs> every time uh, every time <laughs> uh you can also listen to uh jason and uh stephanie kulak and occasionally vanessa wax poetic about sci-fi and currently Battlestar galactica on so say we all a sci-fi podcast and jason Talk about video game music a lot <laughs> on uh, Rocket with Your Card Out, where he he does a lot of deep dives into every on, into every track in a video game's uh, sound in a specific video, specific video game soundtrack. I wouldn't say yeah. every track. I don't think I've ever done every track unless it's a short one like Pictionary. Every track worth the damn. Okay, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> every track worth the damn. And if you like the sound of our voices or the way we talk about things, you can follow myself at John Seven Seven Seven. You can follow. Jason at Jason Ariola, and you can follow Vanessa at Vicarious Rock. Am I forgetting anything, Jason? Uh, 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 plug uh, Twitter-wise. Twitter-wise, no, no, we're okay. we're all good there. Now, if, and if you really, really enjoy all those things, which we, we hope you do, uh, you can also donate to our Patreon at Games and uh, which is Games and Junk. Yeah, Patreon.com/slash Games and Junk. Patreon.com/slash Games and Junk. And if you donate, uh, we we appreciate any donations. If you uh, donate three bucks, you get uh, all the podcasts and higher quality audio as as well as some bonus content on a, a few of them as well uh, which we are always working to uh, 
add to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also and, in one handy feed. So all four podcasts we do in one feed. Yes. And if you donate five bucks, you even get a shout out on the show, which Jason will do right now. So, of course, I have to shout out to my two co-hosts, which always makes it awkward here um, for this. <laughs> and any time I have to do that uh, outside of when they're not on the show. But we also have to thank Alex Messenger, Josh Carpenter, Eric. Am I forgetting anybody? Holy God. Alex Messenger, Josh Carpenter, Eric. I think it's it, right? Yeah, I think, I think we're good. Yeah, I think it was it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's five. Yeah, that's that sounds right. So there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, those 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 three in particular. Um, well, especially because yeah, they're actually not involved with this at all outside of maybe being on an episode occasionally here and there. Except Eric, he's been the only one who hasn't said anything. <laughs> I don't even. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for your money, Eric. We appreciate it. Yeah. We don't know which show you're listening to, or if any of them, or whatever. But thanks, we appreciate it. And on that note. We're gonna end it here. So, all listeners, so long. Thank you for listening and have a garbage day. Shoney.